Hi there, friends. Today we have a fascinating interview between Gabriela Phillips and John McGee, both of whom I will introduce here just shortly. What I love about this interview is that valuable lessons about cross-cultural reconciliation and conflict resolution are taught through real-life, incredibly rich stories. I can't wait for you to hear this. Just before jumping into the interview, though, I have a question to ask of you. The interview with John lasted about 50 minutes. Our episodes are usually 30 minutes. So we have a choice of splitting this high-value interview into two episodes or run one long one which could last potentially up to an hour. The question is this. What would you rather prefer us do? This time we're splitting it. You'll have a chance to hear the second half next week. But we really care for your opinion and want to do the best thing the next time around. To gather your feedback, I just posted a poll question on our website. It's just one question and will take you one click. So please navigate to iwm.adventist.org forward slash podcast. This is our homepage for the entire podcast and you'll find the poll right there on that main page. Answer this question, what to do with longer interviews? You'll have two options to choose from, just one out of the two, and they are option A, keep it in one piece, option B, split into two episodes, all right? This is as simple and straightforward as we can make it. Look for the link in the show notes or just simply go to iwmadventist.org forward slash podcast and make your vote. Welcome to the Institute of World Mission Weekly Podcast, a show for Adventist mission enthusiasts striving to live, serve, and witness cross-culturally. Visit us at iwm.adventist.org podcast to view this podcast show notes, links, and previous episodes. Institute of World Mission is your partner in the mission field. Gabriela Phillips, our interviewer today, serves as North America Division Adventist Muslim Relations Director. Gabriela interviews Dr. John McGee, whom she introduces herself here shortly. This is part one of the conversation Gabriela and John held recently, discussing conflict resolution and reconciling in honor-shame cultures. Speaking of that, you might remember that we were running a whole series on honor-shame cultural dynamics. In the show notes, you'll find links to previous episodes. If as a cross-cultural missions enthusiast, you are really serious about understanding and effectively engaging people in most majority world cultures, friends, this series of episodes is part of our essentials package for you. By the way, we have a separate theme page on the website featuring all our honor-shame-related resources. So please, find the link to it in the show notes. And keep in mind, our theme pages require a free IWM membership account. Without any longer ado, let's jump straight into the interview. Welcome everyone to another episode from the Institute of War Mission and with me, Gabby Phillips. I'm very happy to be able to continue talking on our conversations regarding honor and shame. And today I am blessed to be with my friend, John McGee, Dr. John McGee, who is uh, passing by. He's spending a few days here in the area. And because of his past experience with ADRA and many stories that I know about John, I thought he would make a great 
guest for our podcast. So welcome, John. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. John, for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about what you are up to. I know you're retiring in 12 days. Oh, my. Is that so? Oh, my. The secret is out, isn't it? I know about your work in Adra in the past, You, your latest appointment, you are serving as a church pastor in the Seattle area. Yes. And I know you have a passion for Muslim ministries. Indeed. You were born in Pakistan. I absolutely, in and Karachi. And I know that you have a doctorate in administration and leadership. What else has kept you busy? Well, I've lived 33 years of outside of the United States. and uh, Where? We've lived in Pakistan, in, okay. in, in, in India, Philippines, Korea, mm. and Russia. And we've traveled in and worked in a lot of countries besides that. Had the privilege of serving and learning to love lots of people, eat lots of different kinds of food, <laughs> and play and sing in lots of different languages and enjoyed lots of different music. But I guess the greatest joy that we've had is, is learning to understand some different cultures, ways that people think and do and act that are so different from my own. And I really don't know what my culture is. I am a third culture kid. Mm -hmm. And as most most of my family, uh, three daughters, two of which were born in Pakistan. So there you go. (laughs) Yes. So we're just... You're real uh, a blend family. Johnny, that's exactly what I thought. You and I could have a very rich conversation today because the topic that we want to explore is conflict resolution. One of the big challenges when we go to the mission field is that we are trained on the theology and some cultural practices, do's and don'ts. But then it comes the reality that we are working with people. We have a team made up of locals and foreigners. And when it comes to that everyday side-by-side relationship, we might not realize the ways that we might be creating unnecessary barrier and becoming unable to do the very thing that we feel passionate and called to do. And so today I hope that through our conversation we can add a little bit of light to some of the internal dynamics that go behind the scenes that go invisible and how we can enter into those situations as people of God, even a bit out of our comfort zone, and be able to facilitate the communication so that the work gets done and the kingdom of God gets expanded. So, John, I had to specifically ask you that we talk through stories. Instead of talking theory, why don't you tell us a few stories of those teaching moments that you had and what lessons do you want to share with our listeners today? Well, my first story comes out of a conflict between my mother and my wife and me. We were about to go to Pakistan on our first call and my mother insisted that we fill up a container with goods from the States to go to Pakistan. I wasn't so sure we needed to do that, but my wife had never been to Pakistan and she was listening to her mother-in-law. And so there was this conflict. We had two Melmac sets of dishes that were what given to us. What is that Melmac? It's like a glorified plastic. Oh, okay, Although okay, those okay, of you okay. who know... It's kind of hard plastic one. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay, and okay. so one given by my auntie and one by my mother. And first of all, I didn't think we need any, needed any, but I I was <laughs> voted out. Yeah, the kitchen wasn't your department. That's, what, that I was, that's okay. what I was told. <laughs> and so we ended up taking two, obviously, mm-hmm. to Pakistan. And then 
we got there, and I think after a while, Denise recognized that we did have so much more stuff than anybody else. It didn't take long before the three families that had primary mother power people on the compound, that's all, there were three of us, Mm -hmm. was the pastor's wife, Pakistani pastor's wife, who was also the teacher, wonderful woman of faith, Denise, my wife, and I was the 24-year-old guy, the pastor, as well as I was kind of the senior pastor, but I had an associate with me. And then I was the director of health for the union. And then we had a helper in our home. And so the helper in our home and the teacher and the associate pastor's wife were at each other's throats all the time. And they were in our home all the time. And our our little daughter loved them both dearly. But there was this terrible tension in in even little babies and even little children can feel this tension. And Denise and I were at our wits end and we were very young and we had no experience trying to figure out how do we resolve this conflict. Let me add just something very quickly here. You explained to me when we were talking about this conversation that this lady was more than just, you know, someone cleaning your home or cooking. It was almost like a nanny figure. It was like an auntie figure. So the relationship really was going to be impacted by the dynamics between these women going around. So oh, oh yes. Because she's, she taught our little Jennifer yeah. how to speak. And she held her in her arms. And little Janella was her baby. Yeah. And so she was like a second mommy. Right. But then the other lady was the teacher. Teachers are in Pakistan highly respected. You bow, you know. And so we, so these are both people that we love dearly. Mm -hmm. And and power people. And they were the only people. that There was nobody else on the compound, just the three families. And so it was just untenable to have this kind of conflict. Denise and I prayed about it and we talked about it. And finally, I very, with great courage, asked Denise, I said, Denise, do you think, I, I can't think of any way to resolve this, but there's one possibility. Would you be willing for us to give one of those sets of Melmac away and divide it? And I propose that we give half to one and half to the other and see if maybe we could resolve this conflict. And Denise, bless her heart, said, John, if it would resolve this conflict, we could, I'm happy to give anything away. And so, so we brought these ladies in. And I said to them, I said, you are my sisters. We all know that there's a problem here. And I used the baby argument. I said, we have two little ones who love you both so much and you're like aunties to them. Mm-hmm. And of course, in the mission field, we're all aunties and uncles to everybody. Right, right, right. That's just the That's way a it given. is. Mm-hmm. That's a given. Yeah. And, and, they lo- and they loved us. They loved us too, like yeah. brothers and sisters and aunties and uncles do. And I said, so we have to solve this under the name of God. We, we, we are here. We have to solve this. And mm-hmm. So we've prayed about it, and Denise and I, we want to do something. And we had the dishes, and I had a little little doily covering them, so they didn't know what this was. There was something in the middle. They didn't know what it was. So I lift, lifted the doily up. I said, 
before we left, my mother, and they all knew my mother had been in Pakistan. I said, you know, my mother came to this country pregnant and she delivered me in Karachi and I was born here and they all knew that. So my mother gave this to us as a gift. And so Denise and I have decided that what we would like to do is that we want to give you half and you the other half as a symbol that we are one. And they both started shaking their heads. No, 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 nay, nay, nay. In Urdu, we cannot accept such a thing, especially from my mother, because see, that's like, that's like honor shame. That's like, oh my goodness. Please, the audience hears some what's going on behind. Yes, you've been so long in the mission field that this comes natural to you. But the reality is that in ownership cultures, one of the ways that we affirm or even start a relationship is through a gift. So by receiving a gift, you are actually saying yes to the relationship. That's what it is. And because you knew this, then you brought the gift knowingly exactly that by offering the gift symbolically, you're giving a way to save face, embrace the gift and affirm publicly in the presence of a mediator yourself that they were willing to give themselves a fresh start of some sort. So yes, go ahead. So what happened? Well, of course they said no. And then I had to use the nuclear option. In Urdu, (laughs) in Urdu the word is faraz. And you said in Arabic... Fard. Fard. Means obligatory. It's obligatory. And that's the the nuclear option. And I said to them, you have to, under God's name, and Mm -hmm. for the sake of... For the unity of of our family and our spiritual identity... Right. You have to accept this gift. That's right. And in my mother's memory, you have yes. to accept this gift. Yeah, that's serious. And now in we're all cr- we're all crying, okay? Oh. I'm not, we're all crying by this time. Right. And my wife is, I'm crying now, hugging mm. them. And what a they accepted. Moment. They accepted. Yeah, they accepted. Now, John, I find fascinating that you are bringing this gift, inviting them in the name of the family concept and in the name of being part of God's family to start again versus saying, hey, you did this, you did say this, let's confront this and kind of nitpick on what happened. You did not chose to do that. You went straight to, we need first of all, and kind of a decision from your heart Mm. to work with this. Why did you choose that route? I mean, the way we have put the two women together and said, hey, you said this to my daughter, you did this, you got had to figure it out. I think it's just the grace of God. It's the grace of God. I mean, I could, from a, if I was, wants to, if I wanted to be mean and if I wanted to be joking, I could say, I just wanted to get rid of one set of dishes that I didn't want in the first place. But you know, that's not true. We, we were so young. We didn't have that wisdom in and of ourselves. It really was wisdom. And Denise's heart was generous. She's always been that way. But I think it was just the grace of God that helped us to figure out maybe, and, and I didn't, you know, I've, I'm a missiologist in a, in a way, but not, yes. I'm not professionally trained that way. This is really, it was a stroke of genius, but not because, not really because was. we had it that really in was. us. It was, it was because God gave us an and understanding actually, of how to make that happen. John, by understanding the ownership culture and how gift is a way of reconciliation, it also helps us to understand how we frame something as beautiful as salvation. Yes. God gives the gift to us. 
Yes. When we reject the gift of God, we are not rejecting a gift. We are rejecting Him. Yes. Because He comes Himself through the gift. Yes. So, beautiful story. I hope that this will help us to understand that this is not avoiding the problem, yes. but this is dealing the problem in a way that keeps an eye on the problem, but the other in the relationship. And maybe in the West, we're not so good at that, and we should learn to be a little more careful about the relationship. You had another gracious story, and I would absolutely love for our listeners to hear your Pakistani story. As Gabby and John moved to the second story, which, by the way, took my breath away, quite frankly, let me make a special announcement here. The Institute of World Mission recently published a brand new course. It's called Fundraising for Mission. It's our latest edition. The course is now available from our website. Look for the link right there in the show notes. The Fundraising for Mission course is for every missions practitioner who has a passion for a certain cause. But, as it usually happens, lacks financial resources. That probably includes everyone. And if this description includes you, you'll learn a few valuable things. Among them, how to approach potential donors. What are the basic universal principles and methods of fundraising? How to prepare for a fundraising campaign and follow up on it? What are the needed attitudes for successful fundraising? And more things there, of course. If you would like to grow the skill, click on the Fundraising from Mission course link in the show notes. Well, this one is is a story of failure and it, it really doesn't resolve all that well, but it has been an ongoing teaching story for me. It's right. like it it's a merry-go-round and yeah. even to this day, I keep thinking, what can I learn from the story? Mm-hmm. Again, I spent a lot of time in the villages, freshly minted uh, master of science and public health guy, trying my new sets of skills, trying to understand how do I take public health, create relevancy in a Pakistani village. So the best I could do is I I took a a, a film called One in 20,000 that had a lot of blood and guts and a cancer operation and my little movie machine out there and went to a village where there was a Adventist church and I thought, okay, I'm going to put this Adventist church on the map by checking with the pastor He said, yes. I went to the head Muslim leader of the village and said, would you be willing to come with your panchayat, your five leaders of the village? Saturday night, we want to honor you. And we want to have this showing, the first ever showing of this movie that shows the evils of smoking. And would you invite all the key leaders of your village? Oh, yes, we would love to come and be honored. And thank you very much. So I'm thinking, man, this is great. You know, we're going to... This is easy. This is easy. (laughs) Right. Thank you. And so it's all set up and everything's working and Mm -hmm. battery, everything's charged. And oh, it's good. We have great Sabbath day celebration only to find on Saturday night when it's time for everything to start. And I've rechecked my gizmos and I'm I'm all good that the deacon has assembled a, a bunch of... Of, of warriors, if you will, all dressed in their white robes, and they all have lattes, which are big, thick sticks. And oh. they've surrounded the front and the sides of the church, standing there like a little guard wow. group. Wow. And we and had, this is not a welcoming committee. No. No. They okay. were angry. 
and they had their little okay. white turbans. And so what's going and on? And a procession now is coming, and the head of the village, the Muslims, yes. and his Muslim cohorts, the head, the, the, all the all the guys right. with the money that own mm. all the land surrounding the villages. So these are the landlords. The landlords, of the area. see. Okay. And of course, the, the Pakistani, the Adventists, yeah. and all the other Christians. You know, they're all the workers. workers. They work. They right, work. See, right, right, okay. okay. And the pastor was with me, and we were we had these nice chairs all set up for the people in the church. Mm-hmm. So all the head honchos would be honored. Right. And they didn't let them in. Oh, my goodness. They didn't let them in. And they very careful, They made it very clear that they would not be let in Welcome to the church. Welcome into the church. Oh, no. So what did you do? Did Besides you? panicking, I, I guess. I didn't know what to do. I, <laughs> I had only been there a year. And so I was just, I was learning the language. Yes. And I, I didn't know what to do. I looked around. I looked for clues. I looked to the pastor. The pastor looked back at me. He looked. He went over and spoke to the deacon. The deacon shook his head, which meant no. And the deacon lived there. You know, the pastor was a village pastor. He had eight, ten churches in his district. He didn't so live the there. The deacon was the gatekeeper. He was literally, literally the gatekeeper. Right. Okay. So I did the only thing that I knew to do. I hadn't been trained to do, but I figured that, well, being a practical person, I went in through the back door and grabbed my <laughs> my apparatus and my machine yeah. and took it outside and trained it towards the the side of a, a wall that had cow dung on it and set up my machine and, and showed the film there and we honored the the people outside and but all of the ceremonial stuff and the flowers and everything that we had set up that didn't really work and i thought to myself oh my so it was really a bust i mean we did we did the best that we could under the circumstances but we basically what i thought i went away stewing mad i thought what on earth we missed this opportunity to build a bridge between the adventist church and 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 the leaders of this village my goodness this is what i'm here for right so um pop what's (laughs) what's going on behind this no you're not welcome into this place what's really going on why did they say no well, what I learned later was that for years and years before Pakistan and India had divided, right. there were Hindus yes. in this area. Yes. And the Christians who had become Christians became Christians from the Hindu class who were the street sweepers, oh, the, the untouchables, yes, yes, I get the it. people who scooped the dung off the streets. Okay. Oh, okay. And so this was the class who became the Christians. So this from, is the most shame. And from that all. class came right. the Adventists. Okay. These are the people who still the Muslims wouldn't no wouldn't standing. do business with, yeah. wouldn't ever use the same cooking utensils or the same plates from the same plate. or right. anything like that, even yeah. to this day. Okay. So it's the old sandbox routine. Oh. If you won't play in my sandbox, why should I play in yours? If you won't play with my so it's toys, payback why? Time. it's payback time. And yeah. the, for the first time, yeah. these little serfs yes. had the rich landowners wanting something that they had. Okay, so it's a power dynamic going on. They never had power it. over the right. landowners before. Yes. And the landowners, and you know I love Muslim people, but That's bless it. their hearts, the landowners have been squeezing them. That's right. All these oppression. generations. Yes. 
And now for the first time, they had one little Saturday night that they could have power over their little church and not let them in. Get it. I get it. Wow, John. So this is being you told me like 40 years ago. Yes. If you were to do exactly the same thing, what would you do today? I would go to the deacons. Yes. And I would show them, I would give them a a command showing of the film. To themselves first. Just first. Okay, good. And I would say, Why would you do I have, that? I have a special gift for you. Okay. That I brought from the U.S. Okay. That I have seen many times. Mm. And you invite your best friends. It's about smoking and, and, yes. and the damage that it causes. You, be, yes. you bring your best friends to your yes. home and I'll bring it to your home. Okay. And I'll bring some food. So you empower them. Yeah. Right. And then now the second time I'll show it to you if you have any if there are any of the rich Muslims in this town who have been good to you. Yes, right. You invite them the second time and okay. we'll show it again. Okay. But you don't need to invite anybody else. Okay. And and that way, and the word gets around. Everything right. gets around in town. That way, they are empowered to to invite the people who have been good to them. Right. And I think that that everything would change. And then I think that you suggested we talked about this, and I think you yeah. suggested another idea that I think would have been a great idea mm-hmm. were I to do it again, and that is to suggest on another visit. Why don't we have a day of fasting and prayer on a Friday together with your f- Muslim friends and pray that Allah will change our hearts and that we will be more generous to each other and learn how to open our hearts to each other. And maybe a year from now, we could show this film to a larger group. Right, right. Let God impress you. Impress Who you. else should be yeah. here at this yeah. time and fast and pray? So much to learn so, from those things. So much to learn. And the one thing is that we Westerners have a very high price on time. We are always counting minutes. But these processes take time. Because, yeah. look, you're talking about first showing it to them, then telling them, okay, now you invite your friends. Yes. Now invite your Muslim friends. Now let's pray for God to impress who else you invited from the community. So we are talking from you thought it hey with one goal i can show it to everyone that's it the business is done, done. you know project tick tick and what we are saying is no when you are building social capital it's a slow process yes we're talking now potentially four or even five times yes before you would have arrived what you expected in day number one All right, we are bracing ourselves now for the second part of this rich interview, which is coming out next week. So please stay tuned for that. Important announcement. We want to give you an opportunity to interact with Gabriela, with her guests in the series, in this Honor Shame series, or anyone else really interested in Honor Shame conversation. For that, now we have a brand new forum open on the IWM website. It's dedicated to this topic and it is your opportunity to meet, to converse, to grow together. Look for the link in the show notes and you will need a free membership to access our forums. For now, if you haven't yet filled out our IWM podcast end of the year survey, please do so. We're just running it for a couple more weeks here. 
We want to improve. We want to make this podcast a really good experience for you as an Adventist missions enthusiast. And we would love to have your feedback how we can actually make it a better experience. Friends, another quick reminder. Our next webinar dedicated to language learning is coming up in several weeks. Please make sure you register and join us. Link to the registration page is also in the show notes. And as usual, we trust you know someone for whom today's conversation on the IWM podcast will be a huge help. It will be something valuable for their cross-cultural ministry. So please tell them about this interview and the IWM podcast. Let's spread the word together. My name is Alex Ott, and I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. Mm-hmm.